Welcome to the Faith Today podcast. I'm Karen Stiller. And I'm Bill Fladeris. Our guest today on the podcast is Marjorie Thompson, who's the author of Courage for Caregivers, Sustenance for the Journey in Company with Henry Nowen. What can our listeners look forward to, Karen, in this podcast? Well, a lot. I found my conversation with Marjorie to be amazing. One of the first reasons is that she is one of the few people that I know who actually was mentored by Henry Nowen, the famous beloved author Henry Nowen. So she has this wonderful firsthand kind of spiritual shaping by Nowen. So that's part of it. That was fun and interesting to hear about. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool, right? But Marjorie has written this beautiful book about care for the caregiver. And I had a personal connection with this book because in the last year and a bit, I found myself in a caregiver role with my husband had a kidney transplant. I did some help with my mother-in-law along the way. And then we had an adult child who, you know, needed a little boost. Right. And I found myself in this role of caregiver and you know, I don't think I'm like naturally great at it. So I loved Marjorie's book on that personal level, but it's super practical, but it's also very, you know, spiritually based and really helpful. So for our listeners, some of them might identify with it right away and some of them might be a good listen for the future. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's true because you can't always plan this stuff. (laughs) You know, sometimes our caregiving is sprung on us and that may make it even more challenging at the beginning but there's so much to learn and so many ways that we can grow and that is one of the things i really took from this conversation marjorie we're so happy to have you on the faith today podcast thank you for joining us from nashville my pleasure thank you for inviting me I would love, first of all, for you to share with us your connection with the wonderful Henry Nowen and how this book came about out of that. Oh, my. Well, I first met Henry my third year in seminary. He came to offer a quiet day, and I experienced in him a quality of presence and a focus on our prayer life that went far beyond what I had received in seminary, and I realized that I needed more of that kind of grounding in order to go into ministry. So two years later, I actually did a postgraduate intern year after seminary, (laughs) a little different path there, but I went to Yale Divinity School as a research fellow precisely to sit at Henry's feet and learn everything I could from him. And that was an absolutely profound year that shaped the entire sense of what my ministry was about. I did work in parish ministry early in those years, but I never felt that that was my primary call. And I ended up doing retreats and teaching and writing in spiritual formation. That was Henry's influence. He was the one who pointed me to a 30-day Ignatian retreat up in Canada (laughs) that was also very deeply formative to my own spirituality and shaped much of how I worked my ministry since. So he, he has been a foundational figure for me. I should also say that it was through that, through Henry, really, that I met my husband, John Mogabgab, who was Henry's teaching and research assistant at Yale for five years. 
So in a way, I came into their friendship and benefited from that throughout the course of my married life, as well as my ministry. Henry preached at our wedding. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You know, as you were sharing your connection, Marjorie, and, and that experience of, you know, learning in close contact with him, I I was thinking our listeners and myself will have to deal with the sin of envy uh, and, and wishing we had had such an amazing experience. But of course, we get to learn from him from his books and so much of his impact, I think, uh, has been around the topic of caregiving and, and the spirituality of caregiving. And that is what your beautiful book touches on, Courage for Caregivers. I wondered if you could tell our listeners a little bit about your own journey as a caregiver, just to kind of set that up. Sure. I had some very early experiences with caregiving. When I was in high school, I actually cared for a woman in her late 80s and got a little taste for what elder care might be like. Interestingly enough, God did not give us children. John and I were not able to have children. And by the time we figured out that wasn't going to happen biologically, we were too old to adopt, um, at least by the standards of that time in the 1980s. And I would say God gave us elder care instead of child care. When my mother was in her mid-80s, 84, she had a heart attack and had already had very serious lung issues for probably 20 years. She was still married to my stepdad. We were trying to keep them together. He was in... I would say, mid to late stages of dementia. And we had just moved them to a kind of a retirement facility. And it became apparent very quickly that she needed us to care for her because she could really no longer care for my stepdad. We were in the process of building a home that would accommodate John's mother because we knew that she would end up in a wheelchair and we needed an apartment for her on the ground level, couldn't find anything on the market. So we were building a home, anticipating our care for my mother-in-law. We did not realize we would have my mother too. (laughs) But almost as soon as John and I had moved into our new home, two weeks later, we moved my mother in with all of her oxygen equipment and everything she needed. And then a month later, his mother moved in. So Our situation was we had both mothers in their mid to late 80s. John's mother was 89 when she came. And uh, my mother was with us for 20 months. I know that our care for her extended her life considerably. And John's mother was with us for 11 years, and she was Mm -hmm. almost 100 when she died. Wow! So John's mother broke her hip two months after my mother died. So... The, the way I think about that was it, it, there was very little daylight between two intensive care situations. Yeah. Uh, Marjorie, as I was reading your very honest accounting of those uh, that period in your life, I had the feeling, which I think is typical of <laughs> people, of I could never do that. I could not do what Marjorie and her husband did. And yet, often with caregiving, we do find ourselves maybe thrust unexpectedly into a situation that 
requires much of us and asks much of us. Can you explore that a little bit with us? How maybe, I guess I'm hoping for some encouragement in a way that we are capable of so much more than we may think we are when we look at what someone else is doing. Yes, I think that's very true, Karen. I appreciate your saying that because I myself have felt that in relation to other people whose care situations have been much, much more challenging and demanding even than ours. Ours was uh, everything we could manage, I know. But, you know, I think that we don't really know in advance what we're capable of. I think we can look at these situations from outside of them and imagine that we could never do that. But, you know, life puts situations in our path that we would not choose. Mm-hmm. And after John's mother died, we, her name was Bab, so I'll just refer to her as Bab. That was her nickname. Probably a couple of years after her death, I came to see and and call my care for her as my unchosen vocation. Mm. We usually think of vocation as something we choose based on our gifts or our passion, where we feel we can best give our energies. But this was... This was clearly a call of God on our lives that was based on circumstances. John wanted to care for his mother. I wanted to support him in that. I wanted to care for my mother. But caring caring for my mother-in-law was very challenging, very difficult. I describe that in the book for a variety of reasons. And I would not have chosen to to care for her for 11 years of my life, um, had I had that option in advance. But the circumstances placed us there, where we were called to care for her without knowing how long it would be. And none of us ever really do know. So I believe that as we are open to growing through challenging circumstances, and as we pray for the strength and the courage and the gifts that we need to offer care in a manner that that expresses the best of who we are and that is in an expression truly of of our faith of our desire to show the love of god to those who have been given to us to love in this life um, the Spirit is so generous, <laughs> and it doesn't mean that it's easy at all, but it does stretch us to spiritual growth, and it teaches us what we can be capable of with the help <laughs> that not only the Spirit gives, but that we need from other people. And I think it's very important for us to be able to ask for the help that we need in those circumstances, that we not try to do it all alone. One part of the book that I found very touching and I think really important, you share in conversations with your mom where she expressed kind of regret or sadness that she might be a burden to you and your husband. Your answer back to her I thought was very important in that you didn't 
actually deny that it was hard. Or I think you may have said something like, this is a burden I'm willing to carry for you. And I thought that was really beautiful and important. And what you were just sharing about recognizing your own limitations and asking for the help you need, I think is so, must be so key to being able to give good care over a long period of time. Can you dig into that a bit for us, Marjorie? Sure. You know, I think, I guess by the time mother came to live with us, I had learned enough about how important it is to be honest with our emotions so that when she expressed that very natural grief, I think, that especially our elders feel when we, maybe as adult children, are caring for our parents and they're having to come to terms with with this role reversal where they feel like they are no longer the one who is offering support and care to us. And, and it increases the sense that they feel like a burden on their own children. I don't think any parent wants to be a burden to their child. It was important to me to acknowledge to my mother that Yes, I did feel a burden. Uh, For one, I knew I couldn't hide it from her. (laughs) My mother could just read me like a book. You know, she knew me so well. So I think that was part of it. I I knew there was no point in pretending otherwise. Mothers know. Yeah, they know. She could see my fatigue. She could sense it. And I was. I was was still working full-time. I was commuting in and out of town, 45-minute drive, We had a couple of caregivers who came for several hours a day while John and I were at work. But, you know, we picked up, I picked up largely with my mother's care as soon as I got home from work and into the evening. (laughs) And she was a night owl, (laughs) a natural night owl. So, you know, by the time I got her in bed, I was always just exhausted. I was going on less sleep than I really needed. And she could see that. So it was important for me to say honestly to her, yes, it is a burden in many ways. But I want you to know, I really want you to hear that this is a burden I gladly, willingly take on because I love you so dearly. And I'm grateful for an opportunity to be able to care for you just in a small way to give back to all all the years you have cared for me. And I truly think that she was able to hear the love and the willingness, my, my desire to care for her more deeply and more honestly, because I was also honest about the fact that it was a burden. I think she could hear both sides of that. It feels like there is a decision there on both the part of the caregiver and the care receiver to allow themselves to be loved. And you use the word mutuality in the book. Can you explore that a little bit too? And I know, I mean, in Henry's work, the idea of our belovedness is so central and the belovedness of each other and seeing and responding to that. 
Yeah, you know, that really was so central to Henry's thought and experience and his writing. The, the mutuality in caregiving in particular, he talks about that. But I would say every relationship, and I, I, I'm sure Henry would have affirmed that, every relationship has mutual qualities to it, no matter how maybe lopsided that feels to us at times. But you know, Henry, of course, cared for the most disabled person at Larsh in his first year there at Larsh Daybreak. And Adam couldn't speak or feed himself or walk. He needed care at every level. And yet, even with such profound disabilities, Henry discovered that Adam had a presence and a listening presence. And Henry wasn't the only one who experienced that in Adam. So I think that if we can acknowledge that there is some quality of mutuality in every relationship, then no matter how much it feels in caregiving, often as if we're the ones who are just pouring out our time and energy and love and care, and not always receiving much that we could identify as a, a mutual extension of, of care or concern, it's there. And I do believe that, theologically speaking, it is rooted in the truth that we are each beloved images of God, made in that image and likeness. And so there is something profoundly holy and sacred in every human being. And if we're open to noticing, um, to receiving whatever that gift may be from the other, I, I believe the Spirit opens our eyes to see that. Um, I certainly knew that very obviously with my own mother. It was harder for me to see with Bab, but over time uh, I came to experience that mutuality of care much more with Bab. And it really came from learning to express my love for her more fully, physically. Learning to show her physical signs of care in a more overt way. And from that, she began to open up more and express ways of caring for for me and for John. It, it was really a beautiful discovery of the truth that, that Henry was so adamant about, <laughs> the, the mutuality of care. It sounds like our posture entering into a caregiving situation matters. And that is not to say that we have to have it all right as we enter in, but that if we can adopt the posture of this can be a blessing, that honesty, and that as a caregiver, I will be open and curious and understand that I can receive from this as well. It sounds like that could help. Absolutely. You know, I think this is true for any dimension of our faith journey, Karen, that the more open we are, the more we bring our heart to it and open ourselves to what we can learn 
God, what is it that you want me to learn in this situation, in these circumstances? How do I need to grow? And frankly, I think sometimes God puts us in these circumstances because the person who needs our care is actually giving us an opportunity to grow in love, to grow in our capacity to love. I believe deeply at this point that that was true for Bab's place in my life as the daughter-in-law. It was difficult for both of us in different ways. I think it always is. We need to remember that there are challenges and difficulties for our care receivers as well. And that helps us to keep a sense of empathy as we're offering care. But yes, the, the posture, our inner posture toward God and, and toward one another is just critical, I think, to our spiritual growth as a whole. And the more open and curious, the more we come with a sense of wonder, what is it that the Spirit has in store for us today? Mm. Where is the new discovery, the sense of wonder or joy, a delight maybe, or the challenge, the difficulty that gives me an opportunity to dig deeper and acknowledge more my dependence on a power beyond my own. Marjorie, this may be a little off topic, but it is one of the abiding questions of my spiritual walk. And I think you're going to have the answer. (laughs) And that is, is spiritual growth ever easy? Or is it always, does it always come through struggle? (laughs) That's a wonderful question, Karen. I don't think that our spiritual life or our spiritual journey is always or only characterized by struggle. I think there are moments of great joy and grace, just pure grace, pure wonder that can come and often come as surprises, very unexpected moments. And that's part of our growth, too, a very important part of it, because those are the moments that give us such a sense of hope and peace and depth of conviction that empower our trust in God. But I will say, (laughs) I think perhaps because we live in a world where we are so inclined to be absorbed by self-interest, by ego needs, that our growth is often spurred, if you will, by difficult circumstances, by challenges that push us, that press us to go deeper, to move beyond our small self to what is really our deeper truth, our true identity As Christians, we would say our identity is in Christ. It is something much bigger, much deeper than those small concerns that tend to absorb our daily energies. And how do we reorient ourselves to that true self in Christ in the midst of this world? Maybe we would say, unfortunately, it seems that we need to experience our limitations Hmm 
we need to know what suffering is in this world in order to gain empathy and genuine compassion for others. And so, I think it's Richard Rohr who says, you know, it seems that we need the challenging, difficult things in order to grow spiritually in this world. And I think there's a lot of truth in that, much as we (laughs) would rather it not be so. Thank you, Marjorie. You include realistic spiritual practices in the book. And first of all, I love the term realistic spiritual practices. I just thought that was such a sensitive and realistic way to put it. Many of us find it hard enough to adopt regular spiritual practices and habits when life is normal and we're in control, let alone when we're in a position of caregiving. I wondered if you could touch on even just two or three of those that you think are particularly accessible, perhaps. And I'm going to just read them off so people can hear them all. Honest lament, reframing, holy listening, simple prayers, affirmations, blessings, and practicing self-compassion. Marjorie, are there two or three that you found particularly important or that you would suggest to someone just inching their way into taking care of themselves in this way as they are a caregiver? Yeah, uh, let me focus on, I'll I'll name three. (laughs) The first is listening, because listening is something we can always do in caregiving. It's so much part of how we're with another person. Now, I realize there are some caregiving situations in which the person we're giving care to cannot or does not speak. And so then listening becomes something a little larger than what we normally think. One of the people I interview, one of the mothers of a disabled child, talks uh, about that and how she learns to listen with all of her senses uh, to a child who can't express himself. But she's paying attention to his body language and his, his, the quality of his movements that are expressing what's going on inside of him. But I would say, you know, for most of us, we can listen to what our care receiver is saying or thinking or feeling, it's important to ask our care receivers how they're feeling, not just physically, but emotionally. And then to simply understand that we may not be able to fix everything for them, but but we can always listen. So that's practical and generally just part of what is available to us in the process of caregiving. I think that The affirmations, um, the simple prayers and affirmations and blessings are all very closely related in the sense that those are practices we can share with our care receiver. We can find, for example, a breath prayer, a very simple phrase that helps to keep us centered and that is really pertinent to our own spiritual growth at the moment. We can find a breath prayer for ourselves, but why not invite our care receiver to find a breath prayer for himself or herself too? And then we can 
share those prayers and pray for one another, or rather pray with each other, not just for. And this is actually one form of self-care, that the burden doesn't all fall on you caring for the other, but that the other has a way to care for you. And one of those ways is prayer. So we can pray with each other as well as for each other. And I talk about that in relation to the breath prayer, to the affirmations. You know, we may need to cling to certain affirmations of what we really believe that we are written in the palm of God's hand. We're being held all the time. Maybe that's just the affirmation as a caregiver we need to know that we too are held by God and cared for by God. But what about the care receiver? And can we help them find an affirmation that's really important for them in this time? And to know one another's affirmations, again, is a way to share something at a spiritual level. Blessings, the same way. We can bless each other. So if we're blessing our care receiver, don't be surprised if they want to bless us in return and let yourself receive it. What a gift. What a gift. That's a form of self-care as a caregiver, too. So I would sort of put those things together in a way. And I guess the last, I would like to say, I think that compassion, compassion especially for oneself as a caregiver, because we can be so hard on ourselves, it's so easy to fall into guilt or shame as a caregiver oh, I can never do enough, you know, I'm not available all the time when she wants me there, I can't do that right now, I'm pressed with other concerns. I'm thinking of people who, in the sandwich generation, are are caring for their kids, maybe younger children, but maybe adult children who have particular needs for support and trying to care for an aging parent. And, you know, how do you balance these things? So feeling guilty is common, and learning how to be compassionate toward ourselves, how to see ourselves with God's eyes, with the eyes of Christ, with that kind of compassion, to be able to forgive ourselves for being merely human, (laughs) I think, uh, because we, we find it perhaps sometimes easier to believe that God can forgive us than to forgive ourselves. Yeah, that is so helpful. As we wind up, I wondered if you would offer some compassion outward to any maybe discouraged or weary caregiver who might be listening to this right now and just offer this, offer them some words of encouragement to um, kind of fill their tank or correct their posture or, or whatever they might need to hear? First of all, I think I would want to say to you as a caregiver, thank you for what you are doing. Thank you for your willingness to engage in this very challenging, sacred labor of love. And I know you may not always feel loving when you're doing it. I have been there. (laughs) We have a lot of mixed feelings 
in our caregiving experience. That's okay. It's real. It's human. But what you are doing is beautiful, sacred work. So I want to affirm and applaud and thank you for what you are doing and invite you to just receive that deeply in your spirit. I know you don't always receive gratitude from your care receivers. I want to encourage you to ask for the help you need to look for the kind of affirmation and support and care that you need in order to remain healthy as a caregiver. To do what you do is not easy, and it can be utterly exhausting, and you too need and deserve care and time apart to replenish and renew your own spirit. So just know that self-care is not selfish. It's caring for the only gift you really have to give in order to be a vessel of caregiving for someone else. So take seriously your own need. Sometimes to step aside, know that your presence with another person will continue even if you're not physically present with them. None of us can do it all. We need strength from divine power beyond our own, and we need care from other people for ourselves while we're doing this. So those would be a few things I would name as I express my gratitude to you. Marjorie, thank you so much. Thank you for writing Courage for Caregivers. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. It's been a pleasure, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it. 